Welcome back to Glad You're Here and HappyProductions.Live. I am live with the one, the only, Matt Levitt, uh, half of Orchid Eaton. Matt, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me in the studio today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on up, making the trek. At least it was sunny out for you today, right, for the drive? I, I definitely got a good dose of vitamin d today <laughs> we needed it right it's been for sure it has been it has been a minute well i am really excited to have you on chat with you, you orchid eaton has been putting out some cool stuff since going back to 2021 is that is that about right when the first record came out the first record came out in 2018 i, I think way off okay um, yeah so it's uh we were pre-pandemic and uh working through the pandemic too and are still working on new tunes um as we speak yeah, well, very very cool. And you were mentioning you got you had a couple of side projects as well. But before we dive into those, I should uh, mention about Orchid Eaton a little bit. So this is you and uh, Brian Moen, who plays with the Shouting Matches, Peter Wolf Cryer, and uh, and Larks, right? Yep. Yep. So how did this how did this project kind of come together? What uh, what made this happen for you? So um, I I grew up in Eau Claire, and Brian. Um, he didn't go to school in Eau Claire, but definitely was kind of involved in the the Eau Claire music scene uh, when I was kind of at very formative years. And, you know, I think we were, like most people, you know, in their in their communities, just really blessed with, like, really top-notch musicians. And it was such a formative period for me. And I've always loved his sensibility towards making records and DIY and just like his drumming aesthetic in general has always been super exciting to me. And it's, it's elevated every project he's been in. Um, and so I, I, when I moved to the cities, I kept in touch with Brian, kind of got to know him through um, going to see per Peter Wolf Cryer, uh, specifically their release show for their first record, Inner B. Um, and it was just this really neat, um, show in a house where they had like different set pieces and everything and that really was like the foundation of like holy cow Brian is on to something really cool not only is he um, producing this record but you know in terms of execution he was like 100% invested uh, and I found that really inspiring so a previous project I was in, Emont, I invited Brian to record and mix that project. So I got to know him more through that. And then uh, when that project kind of went on indefinite hiatus, um, I was writing songs on my own. Um, it seemed like a new direction for me as a, as a songwriter. And I knew I wanted to work with Brian. And so I just emailed him out of the blue when he was living in, um, in the Bay Area in California and said, Hey, here's these tunes. What do you think? Do you want to work on them? And he was all in on it. He worked on them remotely, um, at a studio he worked at with, uh, the guys from Rogue Wave, um, and put down drums, mixed it. Um, so this band has always kind of had like a, uh, work in solo and, you know, <laughs> collaborate at the mixing time, which is really interesting because, like, you know, we obviously had no idea that COVID was on the horizon, but it, it set us up very well to continue to work throughout COVID, which was, which was great. Um, and we even still, I mean, both of us are, have families and um, it, it's conducive to, you know, working when time is appropriate. For sure. I mean, yeah, you guys, you guys were recording things remotely before recording things remotely. It was cool, right? Well, I mean, I think Postal Service probably takes the cake on that. <laughs> That's, good. That's a good um, point. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's been interesting to 
you know, to kind of live in this space and not really talk about what direction the music is going to take, but just have it. I find with Brian and I's process, we have to do very little discussion about kind of the the overall aesthetic of the song. It's just something that we both understand on a cellular level, which is you know a good a good marker for a a good collaborator. Hundred percent. When you when when someone just gets it, and that's that's actually a good a good good place to go because I'm kind of curious about what uh, what your process is. I mean, you you touched on the process of like creating the the recordings, but I'm curious about the uh, the writing process. So what what uh, do you do you write a lot of different songs and then kind of decide oh these ones will fit with Orchid Eaton and then send send them out to send them out to Brian or do you just kind of send everything i mean how, how does it go i guess before yeah. i start guessing wrong sure sure um yeah i mean a lot of the songwriting that i'll do for this project specifically does feel like it from the get-go um you know and i i think a lot of it is informed by just kind of chordal song structure basis um you know leaning um to some degree on kind of song motif structures from like 1960s 1970s pop slash psychedelic music um but also kind of expanding that too to you know bring in aesthetics that we both enjoy you know from bands like uh Caliphone or like you know more Ilian Radigay or like experimental drone music you know like it all it could all can fit in at the table hopefully but um definitely it feels intentional writing for this project and it when stuff doesn't exist in this project it, it definitely goes other places and i'm not like a super prolific songwriter so i'll i'll work more intentionally on like a batch of songs and until they're at a place where i'm happy with them and then send them to brian for his drum take on them so the the songs essentially are kind of pretty well sketched out by the time they get to him uh for for drums and mixing and he'll add some other synths and stuff like that you know on on occasion but yeah i mean a lot of the writing process um with some exceptions where we've done some more collaborative writing in the same room um are a lot of me just kind of wood shopping stuff at my home studio um because it you know it it uh a lot of it requires a lot of um self-editing which I'm not afraid of, but it it's would be pretty painful to sit in the same room with a collaborator for, the, for that process. So it's I, much safer to happen by myself. Yeah, I can I can only imagine because there is a there's always that extra verse or what what have you that you write that you end up cutting and just having to go through that with somebody else is is tough because you know the I I want blah, 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 learning to talk here. Mm-hmm. One thing I get from from songwriters like uh, like you in. And I'm guessing that it's probably probably the same for uh, for Brian as well. Is you guys are, I mean this in, in a good way, harder on yourselves than anybody else could be, right? So like by the time you're sending it to to Brian, it's probably already in its best form, right? Like I mean, I'm sure there are occasions you send him like, hey, this is kind of half baked. Like, what do you think of it? Where, where can this go? But uh, there's an element of you, your your internal editor, you just have to trust that, right? And then also let him edit on top of that. Right, right, yeah. I mean, like, once I send songs to him, I'm really at a point where I feel like I can't do anything more with it. And, um, you know, he's his perspective really a lot of times unlocks, like, the, you know, the next direction of the song or or just, like, reinvesting in the, the bones that made it exciting in the first place. Um, 
I mean, with this project specifically, I feel like I have some kind of internal, uh, not rules, but kind of like guidelines to follow when writing for this project. And it does kind of come back to you if it doesn't, you know, resonate on some sort of heart level, um, especially lyrically, uh, that, you know, it requires more refinement and more editing. And yeah, that can be kind of um, a long process, but it's also a good metric for knowing, you know, when something has arrived, if it feels, you know, right, not on a, a cerebral level, but a, like on a, a body basis almost. Yeah. I, I love that. That's a good, that's a good way to kind of, kind of gauge it. So what, what type of stuff resonates with you on a heart level, like on, on from a lyrical basis? I mean, I, I suppose, you know, I can only talk about my own process, but it definitely, you know, has to, has to feel true. Like, cause a, for a long time I would really lean heavily on kind of overly metaphorical writing or, you know, kind of clouding my actual feelings and kind of, um, you know, lyrical devices or, or, or something else to, to kind of hide behind. Uh, cause I, maybe on some level I was kind of, uh, ashamed or afraid to really speak, speak a truth, you know, whatever that truth is. Um, and I found that to be the, the more I've tried to access that and it's not always forthcoming. Like it has made sometimes the progress of writing a lot harder, especially with lyrics, which take the longest for me to begin with. But, um, the end product is something I feel much more connected to. And even from a longer standpoint of like revisiting songs that I've written, you know, five or six years ago, they, they feel, um, or the intentionality comes out, even if I don't, maybe don't identify with the, the basis that went into it any longer. Like I can still, resonate with the with the intention for for sure i mean metaphors and like you said lyrical devices they're 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 cool they're cool tricks they're cool toys you know but like they don't they don't always convey the emotion like you said that you're trying to get at and and even if you know five years from now your life your life circumstances change and you don't resonate with that emotion it's kind of like a tattoo you know like it's it, it is a moment in place and time that you're able to create and nothing against metaphors and people that use them frankly i probably talk about them derogatorily just because i'm jealous of people that can use them well <laughs> so i you know i always end up avoiding them uh random question on that do you think uh bob dylan is obscuring things with his uh type of writing or do you think he's really brilliant there's no wrong answer. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I've I've loved Bob Dylan for he was one of those like per- people I got into when I was 12 or 13 yeah. as a as a guitar player and songwriter and of I I've only like grown to appreciate him more over the years, especially you know, like the period in the 80s, you know, like the um that probably was more so panned at the time, but you know, great great songs yeah um and you know like even his most recent album you know was which is i greatly enjoyed and it seems like really came with kind of a a a musical at least it sounded like it to me like a a musical rebirth in some way but yeah uh love it love it all (laughs) 
that's okay. I told you there wasn't a right answer, but that is the right answer. Like it's uh, it's it's very true. Well, I've I've gotten us down uh, down a rabbit hole about about songwriting a little bit, and we can definitely revisit this. But uh, what do you think about about playing playing one of your songs for the folks? You want yeah. you want to do that for them for sure? Yeah. What uh, what do you want to play for them? So uh, this is a song from our most recent record, which was released in. Uh, uh, when was it released? <laughs> 2021, <laughs> JKLOL. And we re- we actually did release shows for it because that was during the height of COVID. But it's a song called Blue Light. All right, cool. Can you give me a couple of strums on that guitar quick so I can dial it in? I see and the dark I know just how I will proceed to make things clear to me often thinking black and white degrees Saturnine yes and What I put to bed may not be totally asleep If it awakens, it disturbs the peace Everywhere Oh 
Awesome song, dude. Thanks. Yeah. What was the title of that one again? Blue Light. Blue Light. That's off the new record where all ends meet, uh, which sidebar we're going to be listening to over the, uh, uh, what hour is it? going to be the 8 o'clock hour? It's 7 o'clock now? Yeah. <laughs> going to listen to over the 8 o'clock hour. So stay, stick around for that. So where did that song come from? What's the story there? Um, uh, I remember very specifically where I was when I figured out the... Music. I was like in the, traveling for work in the middle of South Dakota, and um, like found those two chords, and I was. It just felt like something. Something was there. Um, but lyrically speaking, um, you know, I guess a lot of it. And I mean, of course, you can draw whatever meaning you know. Uh, you'd like from it but I mean for me it was um, kind of grappling with how um, you know the natural water is is such a a beautiful place um, and how we're you know handing our children kind of a a damaged world not to be too much of a downer but uh, it's sort of true um and just kind of reconciling that about, you know, um, you know, how young people are so beautiful and inquisitive and the world is so beautiful. Um, you know, so that, I mean, mainly that was the, the kind of the impetus for leaning more into that, um, that song. Yeah. I, yeah, that, that hits the nail on the head. And so, your uh, the idea came to you when driving through South Dakota. Not not the first place that I would think of where you think of man, the world's beautiful. But maybe you were in the Black Hills. Is that is that where you were? No, no, <laughs> it was like the flattest, most uh, boring part of South Dakota. It was like right in the middle of this the rectangle. Oh, wow, that's that says something about you right there, right? <laughs> that you can even look at that and still still find some beauty in it. So so kudos to you. Uh, that's that's a cool message for a song. So in general, like I know we were talking about your process a little bit, but I'm always I'm always curious about like the the spark, right? What what kind of sparks the ideas? I know some people go through the world with the you know the, an idea just happens and they're recorded in their voice memos or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or or maybe the notes app or the phone. Some people use old school pen and paper. Uh, so is that kind of how you go about it and then compile like some ideas and go back and write them? Are you the type that's more of a diligent like wake up do the two hours of writing? What's what's kind of your style there? I would like to, um, but I think 
real. I mean, when I've invested more uh, routine time to it, I feel like the process gets easier, you know, because yeah. it's your it's almost like a mindfulness exercise. You know, you're training your brain to to lean into those um, muscles or, you know, those tendencies. For sure. And even if you don't come up with anything, it's still like time well spent in some ways. But no, I mean, uh, usually it is kind of like collecting. I, I feel a lot of times like a one of those bottom sea creatures that just like filters the ocean and hopes for a meal, you know? Yep. Like, um, or, you know, just those very rare moments where um, things are kind of presented to you from some ghostly realm, you know, that you yeah. can't really net, but uh, definitely that happens, but a, a lot of times it, it feels more of uh, just being a collector of little bits and um, yeah, I mean, and, and again, I, I spend so much time with a lot of the songs that a good truth test there too is if those little bits don't like three months on or whatever don't really feel as exciting anymore, then that's usually a good indication to be like, either leave it and come back to it or just, you know, trash it. Yeah. For, do you, do you how, how many of them make it to completion for you? Like, what's your ratio? Do you think it's like... Uh, from idea to song? Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe... 15% that's or pretty, 20%. That's pretty good though. I think I I think anything over or 1 in 10 and higher is is pretty good, you know? And uh so so you go and, and start creating these songs and then do you go back uh you know even the songs you've trashed, do you maybe for lack of a better phrase like cannibalize those for later songs mm-hmm. like oh there was mm-hmm. a there's a bridge there or something? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like if I'm kind of at an impasse with the song, sometimes I'll go back and listen to uh, voice memos and I'm same thing I mean I've got like multiple gigabytes of voice memos right now but yeah. I'm surprised at how little I listen to them like I'll record it and be like oh that's something I should go back to and then usually I never do <laughs> it's it's a recurring problem man it's 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 brutal out here for everybody with the voice memos app my problem is I don't title them so mm. they're all like whatever the voice street I was on is 415 or something <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so then at a certain point it's just like this is never this is never gonna happen uh, so so we, we talked a little bit about your process and kind of how how you all create records um, and then how how you and how you and uh, Brian work together? Is there ever a time where you send something to Brian? You're like, oh, he's totally going to get this. He's going to understand it. And then he comes back completely out of left field. And you're like, that is not what I envisioned for that song at all. Even though you kind of brought it, I, I knew you bring him like almost fully baked. But does he ever mm-hmm. just take it in a completely opposite direction than you expect? Sometimes, but not not in a direction that is unpleasant ever. I mean, sometimes yeah. uh, it usually always gives it more. Uh, emotional resonance just because drums are such a visceral instrument and create so much excitement, you know, um, on their own. But no, I mean, never, never in a negative way. It's always uh, usually very positive, you know, or at least like, huh, interesting. Like, and I think we, we have enough, you know, uh, writing behind us now where we can even take like bits of what he's come up with and, and sometimes reimagine it too. Yeah, which is which is pretty fun. And then does does Brian? Uh, maybe maybe you mentioned this earlier, but does Brian do any writing at all? Does he like write any songs? He does. He has been working on a solo record for a while, um, and he does um, some writing with some other projects. Like he's in a kind of a math rock band from San Francisco, fun. Um, and is recorded and mixed them, but definitely much. Uh, I would say underrated in terms of an engineer and a 
um, kind of a mixing engineer, especially. Yeah. Um, he's been doing it, doing all that work himself, like on wow. Lark's records and Peter Wolfcry records. And um, I just love his sensibilities there. Mm. Um, and just a total, like very honest ears and also a very uh, rebellious DIY aesthetic, which I really <laughs> connect with. For for sure. And it, yeah, good good folks to have in your corner and to be be working with and, and putting putting a team like like this together because it is it is one of the things that stood out to me about the the Orchid Eaton records when, when I listened to them was just the quality of the recording and also that I couldn't pinpoint your influences and i mean that in a good way like i i couldn't listen to it and be like oh they got that from you know 1970s t-rex or whatever right like there's no uh derivative is a bad word but it's the only one that i can think of right now there's like there's nothing derivative and too spot on about it right like everything that you that has influenced you all went through this orchid eaten filter and came out as orchid eaten and i think that is a true test of like creating unique and uh, and beautiful art like that so it's an awesome thing so kudos to you and thanks thanks for doing it for us oh yeah well thank you for giving the music the the time and you know i really appreciate that yeah no my my pleasure it uh, it makes my job very easy when when you all keep keep making stuff like this and then the mel- the melodies are so great too so i know you're a big lyric person do you do you ever come up with a melody i hate this question but i it, it like what comes first the words or the music uh but what always i want the music always <laughs> <laughs> what i what i want to know though is like you're very melodic so when you're writing lyrics, I know sometimes you can write a line, fall in love with a line, and then it doesn't match the melody that you kind of heard for the music. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So do you, are, which route do you go in that situation? Do we change the melody or do we cut a syllable? Like what's the, what's the gut instinct there? Usually I'm always, like the melody is kind of coming with the music more yeah. or less. So like for a lot of songs, I'll kind of have a, more or less an idea of where the melody is going to go. Um, but yeah, the fitting the lyrics to that is always, uh, the piece that takes the longest for me. It's just the longest part of the process. Um, uh, and yeah, I'll always default to kind of like where the melody feels right. So a lot of times that will require, you know, like stuff that sounds good on paper often doesn't sing well, you know, or, or, you know, so there's definite points of rewriting, yeah. needed for sure it's it's the old it's the old springsteen rule like his his thing was just like can can i sing this that was the mm-hmm. whole that was the whole thing and it it kind of rings true for for a lot of different things uh well we're coming up on on about 30 minutes we gotta take a second and thank some sponsors we are uh we are live with matt levitt from orchid eaton so stick around it's just gonna be like a minute and a half of sponsors they're good people all right listen around we're gonna be right back with matt from orchid eaton gonna play us some more songs and chat about the new record we're on ends meet and maybe uh maybe some new records that he's working on so we'll be right back i'm glad you're here on happy productions dot live Glad you're here. Willowbridge Center in Isani is a place for nourishing your mind, body, and spirit. Offering a wide variety of techniques and services, traditional and modern. Services like massage, acupuncture, chiropractic care, yoga classes, full-service Aveda concept salon, facial treatments, waxing, manicures and pedicures, and so much more. Not sure what your special someone wants or needs? Get them a Willowbridge gift certificate. Visit willowbridgecenter.com to learn more or schedule an appointment today. Willowbridge Center in Isani, a center for wellness. 
Are you interested in a technical degree that can help you land your dream career? Or maybe you've always dreamed of going to a four-year college, but you'd like to start close to home. Either way, Pine Technical and Community College has you covered. PTCC offers more than 50 degrees in hot fields like healthcare, information technology, advanced manufacturing, business, and more. PTCC is now accepting applications. Financial aid may be available. Go online to pine.edu for more information. Starting out or starting over, Pine Technical and Community College. Tune in Wednesdays for On the Road with Eddie's presentation of So You Owned a VW Bus. Audio tales from us, Ryan and Miracle, as we interview fellow Volkswagen bus owners. Go On the Road with Addy, right here on happyproductions.live. More happiness. Less crappiness. Come on, baby. Let's hit the road. Welcome back to Glad You're Here in Happy Productions.live, live with Matt Levitt from Orchid Eaton. Matt, well, welcome back. How was your break? It was it was very restful. Thank you. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you got to rest up for uh, for the rest of the rest of the show. Well, I uh, I know we were kind of talking off air, and you said you don't don't have a whole lot to plug right now, but I should still give you an opportunity to tell the people where they can find Orchid Eaton uh, in all the places if they if they want to listen to you and all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, best place is probably the website orchideaton.com um, or all the other usual suspects, except for Twitter. I mean, in full disclosure, I'm not super active on social media, but uh, definitely have it, and people can check it out there if they want. Fair. All right, cool. And, and the reason I bring that up is because you also mentioned before we started, so Where All Ends Meet came out uh, mid-pandemic, and you said you're all working on another record right now. Well, how, what? Uh, where in the process of that are you? Uh, so we're going to be meeting uh, with the mixing engineer, um, hopefully fairly soon, uh, next week or the week after, um, and we're going to kind of take this in little bites and just release a couple of songs at a time, and then, you know, at the end, you know, we'll have a seven or eight song record at, cool. at, the, at the outside. But, yeah, kind of taking it more in little bites this time around. Cool. That that seems to be the, the new play, right? Like, just kind of, in, in correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the reason for that is just kind of build the build the buzz on the Spotify's and all of, all of the places, right? Because they want you to kind of keep releasing music, so mm-hmm. so that that's the that's the game. Well, I mean, and also just I think also from a time utility standpoint, like um, you know, I've been working on this record now for a couple of years and really only have two songs done, even though the rest is fairly on its way, um, but. Trying to be, you know, I love albums. Like, that's still how I like to interact with music. And, like, still I'm, you know, probably going to hold that until I'm a classic, solidly a classic rock dad. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, I don't think there's any, that's not to denigrate the, the album art form. Because that's still my preferred way to, to release music. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, that will happen down the road for sure no I, I i get it and and like you said that's the that's the end result of all all of these singles is going to concoct an album and it's it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting that i'm that i'm a radio guy because I'm, I'm with you I'm, I'm a big album guy but i get to cheat the system by playing full records on here they, <laughs> they kind of let me do what i want so so that that makes it fun well nice. yeah it's 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 a good gig it's the best best gig in the world uh well matt do you want to do you want to play another song for the folks while we're uh, sure yeah what uh what do you want to play for them uh, I'm going to play a song called uh, Who's So Heavy Now, um, also from uh, Where All Ends Meet. 
Beautiful. But first, I've got to queue up this tape uh, loop. So do just do your thing. While you do that, I'll, I'll kind of I'll talk over it and just tell me when to shut up. So we're talking with uh, with Matt from Orchid Eaton. You can find Orchid Eaton at orchideaton.com. They're also on all the streaming places, so you can go and find them there. And uh, give them a follow on the old Spotify, all that good stuff for when they got uh, shows coming up. Did you get that uh, tape player queued yep, up? Yep. Sweet. I will shut up. I'll let you take it away, Matt. Left here by your lonesome when I leave Not knowing where I've been or where I'm going to be Maybe gone forever as far as you see Assuming my thinking Your body getting older, frail and weak Everything that dies I know I know it to be But who else do I talk to week to week A safe that I still keep It's soldered hard with boiled lead The hot and red sea Where sidewalls meet Loosen up everything the loss of love the waiting game not enough will ever be the barred plane what all ends mean no lonesome afterlife for me between wishing and what's going to be make sure that the light is off before you go to sleep I'm taking you with me to places you don't want to go look behind the screen the truth revealed it's much too bright for me Only what is easy Every way I have been The noble and the frightening Take it all Silently, like all that was is dead to me. I'm back to work, and you're asleep. The spirit world, the running dreams, like sunset on the balcony, the clear light brings. 
makes me part of all things where all ends meet no lonesome afterlife for me Like you've just been born A brand new human being No need for rest in peace so... Sometimes there are uh, songs that people play in the show That make me kind of forget that I have to like ask you questions after it Because I just kind of get lost in it That was one of those Uh Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. No, that's a that's a beautiful song, and it's kind of fitting for spring, actually. Like a, a bit of a rebirth type of type of sound to it. Which on on that note, did you stumble into this sound, or was this a conscious choice? Um, I mean, it really did kind of hit me out of left field a little bit. I mean, I've always loved kind of traditional, um, you know, sixties and seventies classic rock type stuff but uh when i was hanging out my old project that was very much in the vein of you know um a low or slow dive or you know kind of lethargic um indie indie rock guitar based indie rock um i really got really into like in a non-ironic way whatsoever but uh this um, band called Sagittarius okay. that I just found on YouTube one night, um, and there's like this whole sub subgenre of people on YouTube that upload all these really obscure vinyl records, you know, because they're some of them aren't even available to stream, um, and it just really connected with me, like not only on a instrumentation level, but just like how hopeful it was, and there was almost like this you know non-ironic naivete to the the lyrics of yeah. like you know that i really resonated with about how um and just like a completely different perspective on approaching songwriting too that um since that moment i just kind of dived farther into that realm and i don't i don't listen as much anymore it definitely was like a hot and heavy period for like four years <laughs> there where that's pretty much all i listened to uh but you know i'm uh, have kind of since um, come out of that and I'm much more omnivorous now, um, musically speaking. But yeah, there's just something about that that period that feels um, reinvigorating always, you know. For sure. Yeah. So so this is where I got to go to unlock the keys to the to the Orchid Eaton influences that I couldn't put my finger on before. I got to go to Sagittarius. Yeah, yeah. Well, that... And, and it was mainly like at the time I was really into synthesizers and it was like one of the first records that had synthesizer and kind of a lead role. Yeah. But it wasn't like a, you know, a 80s synth band or like a 70s, you know, type deal like space rock or something. It was just like <laughs> this really happy but very rich sounding instrument that didn't sound like anything else. Yeah. Um, 
but also with all the other accoutrement like uh, harpsichord and you know string section. I'm and I'm sure they spent a a ton of money on that record back in the day, and it probably didn't do very well commercially. But yeah, that's you know sometimes sometimes that the it, the audience just misses it. But that that is that is what it is. You you kind of I've been trying to put my finger on it for a while. It's the it's the youth use of the synthesizer in in a happy tone like that, but not the '80s over the top, you know, mm-hmm. stylistic of it. It's a taste tasteful synthesizer. That's what it is. Yeah, or or just more like you know, uh, woolly. I guess I don't know. That's, yeah, that's a good phrase. Um, and and strangely enough, the guy, one of the lead songwriters from Sagittarius, and they were never a touring band. They were just like a studio thing. But uh, this guy that was really seminal to this kind of like very orchestrated uh, 60s and 70s sound was actually born in Eau Claire. So like oh. I saw that and was like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, and kind of went down a whole other rabbit hole of like learning about this guy um, and, you know, his story and stuff. And so, yeah, for a lot of reasons, it just... You know, take it as whatever it is, but it it definitely meant something to me at that moment. Um, And it's something I've kept. It's never run out of gas, I guess, creatively speaking. So yeah, well, uh, you know, we're we're grateful for that, and we we keep coming back to Eau Claire. We should uh, we should touch on this. We talked about it a little bit off the air, but uh, you you're born and raised in Eau Claire, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So born and raised in Eau Claire, moved moved to the cities. Uh, How? how does it feel going back to Eau Claire now? Does it feel like really different or does it still feel like the town you grew up in? Like what's the, what's the vibe to you? I don't know. I mean, I've kind of like, it definitely feels very different, but I feel like, uh, a lot of the, you know, hazy, I don't have the greatest long-term memory. Um, but I mean, I think a lot of the, probably a lot of people have that sense of kind of like, fuzzy nostalgia in some ways I mean I definitely uh, put a lot more energy into nostalgia probably than some people do and that that speaks to a lot of like my privilege also but like um, you know yeah I I brought a lot of my own uh, thoughts about it and a lot of that was just kind of stage of life sort of things too I think yeah Um, but I do feel like even going back and you know there's just a certain period of time where you're heart is very receptive to like everything and some you know like whether it's music or art or like uh ideas just really catch hold and don't leave and i still feel that way with at least some of the music that i was experiencing at that time frame like notably one of the bands brian was in amateur love um still just gets me like every time and it you know it's it's probably a stage of life and situational thing, you know, yeah. for, for everybody. It's, it's, it's kind of cool though. I, and, and I, I've had the same experience. Like the, the counting crows will always have a soft spot in my heart just because I don't know, I got into them my sophomore year of high school, right? Like there's, there's a lot of stuff that just you get into at a certain time and it's, it's going to leave its mark on you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. acknowledging it and being, being aware of it. And then also being to, able to mine it creatively, I think is like, What's that uh, like hierarchy of needs? Uh, you know, imagine it's that, but at the very pinnacle of it is the mining it creatively. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. trying trying to understand those things. So that it's cool, and I think it was. Uh, again, I didn't grow up in Eau Claire or anything, but from what I've seen from other people that uh, have come out of there, it's not that there's something in the water, but there is a. Uh, 
sense of creativity being important to the 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 fabric of the community you know what i mean which i think is important for you know feeling like it's okay in the first place to even make music i know it sounds weird but does that make sense absolutely and like providing a supportive you know atmosphere for the next you know crop of musicians to come from and to be influenced by their um by their peers and yeah i mean it's it is a kind of a community um you know and it's like that everywhere it's i felt like it's like that in the cities too even though you know it's obviously a much bigger place and you kind of have to work harder to find your creative community um but yeah in a town like eau claire it's like everybody that wants to make music is invested in you know hosting gigs and you know um it it is kind of a neat situation you know that i think there's probably music communities like that in a lot of towns, you know, I I know there is, uh, it's just, and it, it it does, you were speaking off air too about feeling humbled by that. And I, I feel the same way. It's just like, it is continually reinvigorating to see like people out there making their music and it's like, it might get heard by a handful of people. Um, but that's really the, the motivation is the making of the art in the first place, which is, which is the coolest thing. And there's, there's a there's a question that I ask everyone on this show, um, and it, it's it's kind of kind of relates to that about like you know you could make music anywhere right like you could do this in Nashville you could do it in L A and not to deride people that do it in New York City or Nashville or L A but I feel like moving to those places to do it there's a slight different motivation and again nothing wrong with it but there's more of a commercial motivation just inherently going out there to do it right whereas people that do it are here or Eau Claire. Uh, like you said, it's more of making the music for the sake of making the music. Uh, and again, not that one is right, and you, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm not trying to deride anybody who goes to Nashville to make a living. But what I, what I'm getting at is like, what uh, what are your favorite things about about the music community, and music scene here? And you kind of already touched on it. That make you want to keep being a part of it and keep uh, making music here. Well, I mean, one thing I think coming out of the pandemic that I've really wanted. Or and, and wanted to lean in more to is just the the possibility of collaboration, um, you know, because th- this project specifically is kind of more of a um, kind of a solo affair with one collaborator with Brian. Yeah. Um, but just people's willingness, I think, to collaborate is is really invigorating, and I think is really like you know, this is kind of a dull moment, but you know when you're faced with not having that as a prospect and it, it does yeah. re kind of reinvest in like, you know, the thing, one of the beautiful things about making music is to do it with others and to, um, stretch your own sense of what songs can be and like, you know, surrender some of that control. And, um, and even people that are like at the top of their game, you know, like a JT Bates or, um, Jeremy Olvisacker, you know, all these kind of like, um, you know, God people of the Minnesota music scene are totally up for collaborating with, you know, projects and kind of fostering new and upcoming musicians. And I think that's a really cool um, situation. And it does seem pretty unique to to Minnesota to me, or at least like the Midwest kind of ethos, I guess. Yeah, I I don't I don't think you're wrong there. My <laughs> my my experience with that. So I, I started I started working on a record during the pandemic too, and I thought like, hey, you know what? 
it's a pandemic. Why don't I shoot some Hail Marys out and like reach out to some musicians who have no business replying to a nobody like me? And all of them said, yeah, I'll work on your record with you. And I was like, oh, this is dangerous. Like, I didn't need to know that you'll all say yes, because now I'm just going to keep asking. Right. 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 <laughs> but it's so cool. Like, like you said, they're all willing to help and make cool music with anybody. And it's, it's just a cool an awesome thing to see and an awesome thing to have and something I hope we never take for granted and, and that we all really appreciate is around us and the lack of just the overall lack of ego in uh, in the scene right there's there's nobody trying to stab anybody in the back or crawl over them to get the next gig or whatever it's just all it's very communal feeling which is mm-hmm. I think is important that we embrace and, and accept and continue to foster so with yeah, the so. yeah, with with all that said, we're uh, we're coming up on like the last the last ten minutes or so. Do you want to do you want to play one more song for us, man? Sure. Yeah, I, I just have to tune my guitar quickly. Do do your thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my little spiel. I have a, I have a, sh- a high horse spiel that I get on every every week. Do you have uh, do you have albums available for sale? I know they're on Bandcamp, and you have cassettes. Is there anything else? Yep, cassettes are kind of our one loan physical product. Cool. Uh, so you can order them on Bandcamp if you're so inclined. Otherwise, you can just stream uh, on, you know, same Bandcamp or SoundCloud or Spotify or whatever you use. For sure. So... So here's here's the part where I'm gonna I'm gonna be the be the bad cop. So the uh, the cool thing about this is that you have access to Orchid Eaton's music anywhere you want it. The uh, the best way to support folks like Matt and Brian is uh, is frankly to to go buy the cassette or buy the album uh, or go to a show when when they have them out there. It's cool it's cool to stream things, but uh, if you've listened to the show before, you've heard me say it. Spotify pays out point zero 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 five cents per play. So the best way to support all the hard work, blood, sweat, and tears is simply to throw down the seven bucks for the digital album and then uh, feel free to stream to your heart's content but that is the end of end of my little high horse spiel i promise i'll get off of it uh you all tuned up over there yeah i think so all right i'll uh, unmute the guitar and i'll uh, i'll shut up over here what are you gonna play for us uh it's a song from our first record uh start of the dream called 137 Might have to let it advance a little bit here. No worries. It's one thirty-seven, and it's time for my break. Now I'll go. What am I gonna do now when these looks leave my face? I don't know. I've been losing my mind like I had one to give. I've been losing my mind like I had one. You know I need a little time on my own. Or maybe a few That's what you tend to tell yourself 
last one out of here is perfectly safe I want more I've been losing my mind like I had one to give I've been losing my mind like I had one to give I've been losing my mind like I had one to give I've been losing my mind like I had one to give I've been losing my mind like I had one to give I've been losing my mind like I had one to dig it man very cool so that's an awesome song that was off the first record mm-hmm. all right and you were you were obviously collaborating on that one this is this is gonna feel like it's out of left field are we dealing with like an analog machine over there is that what you've got mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's cool can you describe it for the people at home uh so my friend shane gave me this uh or just lent it to me rather um and it's a combo organ slash drum machine slash cassette player slash radio awesome okay <laughs> whatever that's a cool piece of gear man. <laughs> i don't know who it was intended for but <laughs> intended for orchid eaton i guess that's that's what it was built for well matt i can't thank you enough for coming on i can't believe uh, this this hour has absolutely flown by uh, but thank you so much. And I, like I said, I'm going to play Where All Ends Meet uh, next in its entirety. Is there anything you want to tell the people about that record before we throw it on? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I just appreciate you um, giving me the forum, and thanks for listening to the music. Yeah, man, my my pleasure. Thanks thanks for making it. And uh, one one last time, orchideaton.com or orchideaton on Bandcamp, and then all the streamings, right? Did I miss anything? Yep. That's the best best place to find them. Uh, where do you normally do like show announcements? Where should they go for those? Uh, Instagram and website. Instagram and website. All right, so that's the safest spot to find where they're going to be playing next. This is uh, Matt Levitt and Brian Brian Moen. Did I say that yep. right? Brian Moen from Orchid Eaton. Brian's out in Eau Claire. Matt is uh, Minneapolis. So when you guys do play, do you normally play kind of in between that 94 corridor there off Minneapolis and Eau Claire? Yeah, more or less. I mean, we'll usually do um, kind of a run of shows between uh, Minneapolis, Eau Claire, and then surrounding places um we're also really really integral to kind of this newest iteration of the band too is pat keen from humbird oh um you should have opened with that okay (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) no uh, pat is an absolute monster musician and he's 
uh, played bass on a lot of the new tunes too, and done some other things as well. So very cool. That's kind of the next the next step. Man, this uh, this Humbird family tree keeps growing. Mm, this, indeed, yeah, <laughs> it really does. They have long, long, happy tendrils. <laughs> they really do, and they're and they're incredible. So I'm glad I'm glad to hear that they've. Uh, They've got got you wrapped up in, in whatever they're building, throwing throwing Pat your way. Well, thanks again, Matt. I uh, I can't appreciate enough. Like I said, we're gonna take a second, thanks to sponsors, and we come back. Uh, I'm gonna shut up, play where all ends meet. Uh, you gonna you gonna stick around for a little bit? Or you gotta head home. I'm gonna head home. All man. right, fair enough, man. And so thanks again. We're gonna thank sponsors. You listen, glad you're here on Happy Productions Live. We will be right back with where all ends meet in its entirety by Orchid Eaton. Sit right there. Stay tuned.